want you to imagine for a moment that you go on extended vacation. Mm. Mm, that's good, right? <laughs> All right, now I want you to think about your house while you're gone for that extended vacation, okay? You, you turn off the air maybe, or you cut it up. You, you shut all the doors and the windows, and, and then you come back home, right? You, maybe you're even exhausted from that long vacation. It's kind of crazy, but that's usually how it happens, right? And you come back in, and in your house, the air is kind of stale, right? Because it's been shut up. The air has been cut up. Right, things haven't been moving around. You haven't been in and out of your house. It becomes kind of stale. So, so what's the first thing that you do? Well, if it's like today, you may go and crack your windows open, right, and let that fresh air kind of blow in and fill the house. Now, now you don't have to do anything besides open the windows, right? But that fresh air brings refreshment into your home. You don't have to force it in; it just flows in. In the same way, sanctification and the work that the Holy Spirit does brings a spiritual refreshment into our lives from the presence of God. And as we're going to see today, the Holy Spirit makes us on the inside more and more what we have been declared by Jesus Christ to be on the outside. We have been completely justified by the work that Jesus has done for us on the cross. And we are in the process of being sanctified by the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, we have been studying through the book of Philippians, a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, and we have seen some examples of mature living. We have seen some people who have been living for Jesus and living like Jesus, and we saw how we need to replace our pride with humility so that we can learn to put others first and ourselves last. And then last week, we saw the example from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, and we said that we need to have his same mindset when we look at other people and consider other people. We need to see them as Jesus sees them. Well, today we are going to see this process of spiritual maturing. The Bible calls it sanctification, right? It's a big word we'll talk about it in a minute. But it starts with us working out our salvation. So if you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me over to the book of Philippians. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the back table. We'd love to give you a copy of God's word. Uh, Philippians is in the New Testament, if you're looking for it, which is on kind of the right side of your Bibles, kind of the back side of your Bibles, comes right after the book of Ephesians and right before the book of Colossians. And we're going to be there in Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to start there in verse 12. I'll give you just a second to get turned there. We'll have it up here on the screen as well. You guys read along with me. Philippians 2, verse 12. Paul says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always, excuse me, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Let's pause there for just a moment. So Paul says, work out your salvation 
with fear and trembling. Now, wait a minute, Paul. Isn't our salvation not by our works? So why are you now telling us to work out our salvation? It's not by our works that we are saved, is it? Are we saved by our faith in Jesus Christ and the work that Jesus has done on our behalf? Is Paul somehow contradicting the rest of Scripture here? Well, I believe that the truth that Paul is pointing us to here is the difference between justification and sanctification. Now, I know those are big church words, and even while I say them, you, you might be thinking, okay, what, what in the world do those things mean, right? I've heard them before, but I don't know what they mean. Well, in short, here is the difference between justification and sanctification. Justification means that we are declared righteous. I believe it was Billy Graham who said, justification, being justified, is being made just as if I never sinned, right? While sanctification means that we are growing in righteousness. And when we put our faith in Jesus Christ and we repent of our sins and we meet him in baptism, we are declared righteous to God. We are made in God's eyes just as if we had never sinned because of the work that Jesus has done for us on the cross and in the grave. We are justified. And from this point on, the Holy Spirit who was working on us from the outside, convicting us of sins, now takes up residence within us and begins to work on us from the inside out. He starts to grow us into the right state that Jesus has brought us to. This is sanctification. Jim Putman puts it like this. He says, when God looks at us, he sees that we by faith are covered in the blood of Christ. He also sent the Holy Spirit to change us. And we become on the inside more and more what we have been declared on the outside. We are completely justified and we are in the process of being sanctified. So salvation isn't just a one-time deal. Now that we are saved, we don't just go on living how we used to live, okay? Like our old life. In fact, Paul tells us in Romans 6 that we have died to sin through baptism, through the work of Jesus on the cross. How can we still live in sin any longer? How can we continue on so that grace increases? Paul tells the church here at Philippi that they are to obey just as they did while he was present with them, now even much more so in his absence because they have been covered in the blood of Jesus. They have been declared to God in right standing, but now our lives need to be transformed to what our state of being in God's presence is. And I believe this is what Paul is pointing us to here. He says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, I believe Paul is saying, allow your salvation to work out in and through you. 
This is the process of being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. We also may say it like this. We must also may say that this is a way that we are growing in our faith or we are maturing in our faith. In fact, that's exactly how Paul describes it to the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, he says this, Brothers and sisters, I, I do not address you as people who live by the Spirit, as people who are mature, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk and not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly, since there is jealousy and quarreling among you. Are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? The Corinthians, Paul tells that he gave them spiritual milk, and they weren't even ready for that. They were still living as infants in the faith. They weren't working out their salvation with fear and trembling. They were in fact standing in the way of the Holy Spirit's work of sanctifying them. And Paul says, I, I couldn't give you milk. I couldn't give you meat because you couldn't even stand the milk. They were still living worldly lives. They were still fighting and arguing with one another because of pride. They hadn't learned like we've been learning from the Philippians to humble ourselves and to think of others above our, ourselves. The Corinthians, they weren't doing that at all. But the believers in Philippi, they were more mature than those in Corinth. Just take some time and read through the rest of the Corinthian letter and you'll see that. So Paul encourages the church at Philippi to keep on obeying Jesus with their lives, to continue to allow God to work in and through them. Now, here at Journey Church, we, we try to, to kind of describe these two big concepts in Scripture of justification and sanctification like this. We say that we trust that Jesus is all that we need and that we are being transformed by who he is and what he has done. And we also say that we grow by studying the Bible together, that we increase our desire to know the inspired and errant word of God and not just know it, but to humbly obey its truth in everyday life. And in both of these value statements that we have as a church, we are trying to point us to this process of maturing in the faith. We are not just trusting, but we are being transformed. We are not only growing in our knowledge, but we are growing in our obedience as well to the truth of God's word, living it out in our everyday lives. This spiritual maturing process isn't something that we come to some pinnacle point and then we stop. Hey, we, we've arrived, right? In fact, Paul will say, not that I have somehow arrived or achieved this, but I press forward. He'll say that later in Philippians. I keep straining towards the goal. We continue to mature in Jesus and we will continue to mature in Jesus 
until Jesus returns or we are taken to be with him for all eternity. This process won't stop while we are still in these tents, while we are still in these bodies here and now. The writer of Hebrews, he is trying to communicate some deep truths about who Jesus is to his readers, his first readers, but because they were immature in the faith, he was having a hard time uh, communicating clearly to them because they just couldn't understand. And he says this in Hebrews chapter five and verse 12. He says, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk and not solid food. Anyone who lives on the milk being still an infant is not equated with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Now, the first readers of the book of Hebrews were still infants in their faith. They were just hearers of the word and not doers or teachers of the word as they should have been by then. But I want you to notice there in that last verse, how the writer of Hebrews tells us that we are to mature. He says we mature and grow in maturity in our faith by constant use. He says by constant use, they have trained themselves to be able to determine the difference between good and evil. Friends, we grow by constantly studying God's word, the Bible, together. We not only increase our knowledge to be able to distinguish good from evil, but we also move from just having that head knowledge because God's word starts here and moves into our hearts and then changes how we live. We humbly obey its truth in everyday life. More and more and more. We grow, we move forward. God also uses our brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage us, to pray with us, and to hold us accountable. And that's why we say all the time that we need each other because we are better together. And that's why we need to stay connected with God, and that's why we need to stay connected with each other. This is why our life groups here at Journey Church are so important. Because when we start neglecting being together on Sunday mornings and when we start neglecting meeting together the other six days of the week in our life groups, we slow down the spiritual growth that God has in store for us. You see, it's not just about we need you, but you need us. We need each other. When we neglect being together, it's not just because we get marked absence from our life group or from Sunday morning, but we slow down God's process of spiritual growth in our life. 
when we aren't daily in God's word, we slow down this process of spiritual growth, of sanctification that God is working in us. Friends, if we stopped giving a child milk or food, what would happen to that, to that infant? Or if we said, you know, we're only gonna feed this baby once a week. Hopefully we'd get arrested and get locked up, right? Because we would be neglecting that child and they would become weak and malnourished. Guys, spiritually, the same is true. If right here and now is the only time that you guys are opening up your word, you're gonna be spiritually weak and malnourished. If on Sunday morning is the only time that you are connecting with other followers of Jesus, then you are going to be weak and malnourished and will never be able to grow into the spiritual maturity that God intends for you to grow into. Now look, here at Journey Church, we don't care about numbers. We, in fact, we don't even count on Sunday morning how many people we have or don't have. But you know what we do care about? We care about you. We care about you. And when we aren't together, we are unable to grow into the into spiritually mature people that God has called us to be. And when we aren't in God's word daily, we are unable to grow into the spiritually mature people that God intends us to be. We, like the Philippians, must allow our salvation to work out in our lives. In awe of God moving us from babies to mature followers of him, not just consumers of the word, but also providers of the word for other people. Being a teacher of the word, as we saw in Corinthians, as we saw in Hebrews, is a mark of God's working in our life and maturing us. Being being a teacher of the word is a mark of maturity. And look, I'm not just talking about somebody like me who stands up and, and t- preaches or even somebody who leads a life group. But if you are someone who teaches the word of God, not only with your words, but with your actions to your spouses and to your kids and to your neighbors, to your coworkers, this is a sign of maturity. This is a sign that God is maturing you into the people that he has called you to be. Now, friends, I don't want you to misunderstand me. Being a spiritual infant is not bad. It's not. We all, when we first come to faith in Jesus, are spiritual infants. It's not bad, right? but we're not meant to stay there. We're meant to grow up. And my fear is that many who should be mature, many who should be teachers of God's word aren't. They are still infants drinking the milk and fighting over rank and place and over who's better than one another. 
Friends, if we want to grow spiritually mature in our faith in Jesus, then we first must allow our salvation to do its work in and out through us. We must work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And secondly, we must grow up. Look at what Paul says in the next verse, in verse 14 of Philippians 2. He says, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. And then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Are you a complainer? Raise your hands. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know y'all were gonna be honest. How many of you guys are liars? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Me too, right? Man, if we are the ones like me far too often that are the complainers, that are complaining and grumbling about things not going my way, man, I can't tell you how much this morning I prayed God control my thoughts and my actions. We had a lot of people who were missing from our setup team this morning, and then even more who texted this morning who are under the weather and immediately I started thinking about, oh man, how are we gonna get all this stuff done? And I said, God, and if you have been around me, you know when, when things get tense, sometimes my uh, tightness comes and I kind of get on edge a little bit. I'm like, oh, we gotta do this, we move out my way, let me get this done, right? And so, man, this morning, I said, God, you be honored through me. Control my tongue. Give me peace because I have a tendency to try to grumble and complain or things being done the way that I think they should. Friends, being a spiritual infant is not bad, but we are all, because we are all spiritual infants when we first come to faith. But it's not okay for us to stay that way. It's not okay for us to stay that way. And I fear that far too often we become spiritual infants and then we stay in the crib or even worse, we become spiritual toddlers. And much like regular toddlers and adolescents, we stay that way spiritually. And that's why Paul and the writer of Hebrews were so concerned about his er, their early readers because, not just because they were spiritual infants, but because they were staying that way and not growing. Friends, we are made to grow. And if we are not growing spiritually, then we are dying. And there's no other option. If we stop growing spiritually, we are dying spiritually. There's no other option. So this morning, I wanna give you just some signs of spiritual infancy so that we can truly examine not other people, but so that we can examine ourselves. And we can ask the question, are we being spiritual infants and need to grow up. You see, spiritual infancy is characterized by somebody who has ignorance 
about what they need spiritually and what the Bible says. And guys, again, this is okay for us to be in this place, to be ignorant about what you need spiritually and about what the Bible says. But it's not okay to stay there. It's not okay to say, well, I just don't know, so I guess I'll just stay here, right? We need mature followers of Jesus to help teach us about what we need spiritually And we need to become students of God's word so that we can grow in our knowledge and in our our obedience to it. Another sign of spiritual empathy is an ignorance or frustration towards Christianity or towards the church. Or on the opposite side of that, another sign of spiritual immaturity is someone who believes that Christians never make mistakes. (laughs) And both of these come from being spiritually immature. Spiritually immature, spiritual infants may also try to mix Christianity with other world religions or other worldly perspectives and mix them with some spiritual truth. Spiritual infants also may think that they are defined by our culture and by our world, but we are not. And friends, again, it's okay for us to be spiritual infants, but it's not okay for us to stay there. We need to grow. We need to mature. We need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling so that we can prove not only by our words, but we can also show with our lives that Jesus is Lord to this warped and crooked generation, so that we can be lights for Jesus and we can shine like stars in the sky. Romans 12 says that we are to offer our lives as living sacrifices to God, And we do that by not being conformed to the pattern of this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind. But why? So that we are able to prove what the will of God is. In Ephesians 3, he says, we are to live mature lives with unity with one another. Again, we kind of go back to this Philippians area, right? Where there's arguing and grumbling. He says, do nothing with arguing or complaining, right? In Ephesians 3, he says, we are to have unity with one another because through our, our unity, through our mature lives, we are able to make known the wisdom of God to the world. First Peter 2, Peter tells us that we are to keep our behavior excellent so that through our mature living, others will glorify God because of our good deeds. There was an article written just a couple of years ago in The Atlantic by a guy named uh, Larry uh, Taunton, and he shared his findings after interviewing um, many college student atheists. He says there were some interesting things that started to become evident among many of these students that he interviewed. Not all, but many of them at one point in their life had attended church. And they had chosen their atheist worldview 
Um, they were claimed for some naturalistic position, for reason. But oftentimes, as it became clear through their conversations with them, they became atheists because of reactions to Christians. Larry goes on to say that with few exceptions, Christ, uh, students would begin by telling them that they had become atheists because of exclusively rational reasons. But as they listened to these students continue on, it became clear that for most of them, it was also very, very deeply emotional in this transition as well. Whether it's because of a death of a a close loved one, or because of an emotional hurt from a, a Christian. Many of them had stepped away from the faith because of their interactions with people who claimed Christ. Now, friends, I, I don't share this with you to cast blame or to put guilt on us because people have free will. Um, and if people are looking for an excuse, they will find an excuse. People will have free will whether they will follow Jesus or not. And it is God who works in and through people's lives to bring them to himself. That is not our job, nor our responsibility, nor do we have the power or authority to change people's hearts. But I also believe that we have the responsibility that God has called us to, to be witnesses and to be lights for Jesus as he has called us to be. And we do that by living mature faith, by not grumbling and complaining, but by being obedient to Jesus. And I believe that when we are growing in maturity, when we are shining like stars in the sky for Jesus and not for ourselves, but for Christ, I believe that when Jesus returns, there will be people because of our willingness to be obedient to Jesus who will glorify in the name of Jesus because we allowed our salvation to work more than just in our baptism but we allowed it to mature us into followers of Jesus. And our maturing in our faith isn't just so that we can get to heaven or that so we can somehow earn salvation, but our maturing in Jesus, our example with our words and our actions is because heaven has been given to us and we want others to experience God's grace just as we have been. That's why our mission here as Journey Church is that we want to help everyone discover their relationship with Jesus because we want others to come and to be saved just as we have been. We are just one beggar telling others where to find food. So friends, if we want to grow spiritually mature, we need to allow our salvation to work out through us. We need to grow up, which will help us to be witnesses for Jesus. Not perfect, but authentic, transparent witnesses for Jesus because we hold firm to the word of life. Look at the next verse in verse 16. Paul says, as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then 
I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Paul says, hold firm, hold fast to the word of life. Friends, we have got to move on from the milk and move on to the solid food. God's word cannot just be something that we read and study. God's word cannot be just something that we open up on Sunday mornings. God's word cannot be just something that we talk about in our life groups. God's word, if we are going to grow mature, must fill our lives, must fill our hearts and our minds. We must grow by studying the Bible together and by knowing it, and not just knowing it, but by obeying it in everyday life. We have to use it. We have to live it out. We have to obey it. We have to be not just hearers of it, but doers of it. In Judaism, from a very young age, Jewish children are taught this prayer, a prayer that is found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, a prayer that you've probably heard before because Jesus quotes it. Deuteronomy 6, 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. That's our action, right? That's what we are to be about. We are to love God with everything that we are. But how do we do that? Next verse tells us, these commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your forehead, write them on your door frame of your houses and on your gates. Now look, Deuteronomy isn't talking here that we are all to go out and get tattoos, right? It's not what he means by writing them on our, our hands and our foreheads. He's not talking about just having scripture posted on our door frames but he's trying to give us this idea about God's word, his commands, filling every part of our lives. That it fills our minds and our hearts and our lives. It fills our words. It, it fills our conversations with our children and our spouses and our coworkers. It, it, it fills everything that we do. God is one and there is no other gods like him. And we are to love him with everything that we are. And the only way that we can continue to love God with everything we are is by continuously being filled with his word. We are to teach his words with everything and everywhere we are. We are to teach them all the time as we walk down the road, as we lay down, as we get up, as we sit at the table, as we go about our daily lives, God's word should fill our lives. This is what Paul is talking about in Philippians when he tells us that we are to hold firm to the word of life. Friends, if we want to grow spiritually mature, we need to allow our salvation to work out through us. We need to grow up. 
which will help us to be witnesses of Jesus because we are holding firm to the word of life, the very word of God, even, even when we are being stretched thin in the service of others. And this is exactly what Paul was. Look at the next verse, verse 17. Paul says, but even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Paul says, even if he is being poured out like a drink offering for the sake of the Philippians, for the sake of their faith. You see, Paul has in his heart and his mind the needs of the Philippians over his own. He has the needs of their faith in his heart and his mind, and it leads him to sacrifice to serve their needs over his own. Friends, we said last week that we need to have the same mindset as of Jesus. But we also need to have the same mindset as Paul. Paul had the needs of the Philippians over his own. So friends, let me ask you, what are you doing for the faith of others? I know it goes against the culture, right? We're just supposed to look out for number one and we're number one. <laughs> we ain't supposed to look out for anybody else. That's what the world teaches us. But we aren't to be worldly. So what are you doing for the faith of others? What sacrifices are you making to help others mature in their faith? What service are you giving to others? And we say this all the time, but we say that we want to follow the example of Jesus because he sacrificed self for the needy, the hurting, and lost. This is how we put our faith into action because this is what Paul was doing. And this is what we should be doing as well. Even when we are called to, to sacrifice and to suffer, to care for their needs over our own, even if we are being poured out like a drink offering for their sake, we can praise God. Friends, if we want to grow spiritually mature, we need to uh, allow our salvation to work out through us. We need to grow up, which will help us to be witnesses of Jesus because we are holding firm to the word of life, even when we are being stretched thin in the service of others. And in this, God will rejoice. And in this, we can find joy for our journey. We pray with me. Father, we thank you for the example of your son, Jesus. We thank you for the example of your servant, Paul. That even though he was being stretched thin, 
he thought of the faith and the needs of others above his own. Father, help us to grow spiritually mature. Help us to, in everything we do without grumbling or complaining, help us to serve the needs of others. Father, help us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. For we know that you are the one who is at work in and through us. We thank you that we have not only been declared justified in your presence, but Father, that you are also working in and through us through your Holy Spirit to transform us, to become the men and women that you have called us to be. Help us not stand in your way. Help us to allow your Holy Spirit to work. And it's in your son Jesus' name that we pray this morning. Amen.